0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a new day today, amen? amen? Every single day, His mercies are brand new. I going to start a series today called Follow Me. Some very famous words that Jesus spoke many, many years ago. And I truly believe, without hyping this up, I believe this is one of the most difficult messages that I've preached in a long time. And I'm just asking you that you will do your best, and I believe the Holy Spirit will make this happen, uh, listen to my heart more than my words. I'm not sure how you do that, so that's uh, between you and God, but I I really believe that if you will catch the heart of this message and realize that what I'm teaching you is not something that you do, it's something that you understand, uh, it could have a profound impact on your life. As I look at society, as I just... Recently, we had a men's group and we listened to the, the, the challenges that were going throughout uh, some of the, the men's lives there. I realized that emotions and circumstances are overwhelming people at an alarming rate. Circumstances of life and the emotions that come with those circumstances are overwhelming people, even God's people. And I, I, want, I want to make sure you realize that's the backdrop of my message is to, to, to almost a response of what I'm watching. Of how just a little bit, just a little ounce of bad news can cripple a day. How just what one person says this, and it just literally brings us to a place where we're completely broken or offended or hurt. And so what happens as we are following Christ... I watch people growing despondent. Now, this is not a very—the uh, message will go happier. I just want you to realize that. Okay? Is I watch people getting despondent in the—is it worth it to follow Christ? Maybe because they believe that there was a promise, or they somebody said something over life, and and so they've been believing for years, and they're just growing to a place where they're despondent, and ultimately, if it's not corrected at that place of despondency; it, it brings to you to a place of being indifferent. It's a very dangerous place to be as a believer of Christ. Indifferent about, huh? Well, I really, I'm not really following Him like I should. Uh, I really don't. I don't even know where to go. I don't know what to do. It's a, it's a difficult place to be. And sometimes I believe we all wonder: Is following Christ really have to be so hard? Does it really have to be such a struggle? And I got a picture as I was thinking about those words is Christianity is going against the current. So the current of life, the current of the kingdom of hell is flooding us this way. And many of us prior to Christ are taken with that current and we live our lives according to what we long for and according to what we desire. And then somehow somebody interrupts our lives and they they share the gospel with us and we receive Christ. It's at that point of receiving Christ that the current doesn't shift. Are you with me? The current still is coming this way. We look at the world. I was talking with Joe Firestone this morning. You look at the world and you go, man, the current definitely is not going in the right direction. But yet Christ says, narrow and what? Difficult is the way that leads to life. So you now receive Christ, you're now going against the current. But you're following somebody, which I love. You're following Christ through this current. And that current often can cause you to go, man, it's such a struggle. I feel like I'm trying so hard. I feel like I just don't measure up. I feel like I am believing God, but I don't see it happening. I feel like, man, God promises me one thing, but my life looks completely opposite. And ultimately, I want to remind us all, Because I believe there's a a root issue, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I want to remind us all that the gospel is not about serving you. It's about transforming you into who you are in Christ. And when we think that the gospel is about us, what happens is you face off with bad news. What is our immediate desire In question to God. Lord, fix this. Will you fix this? Right? Right? I mean, just think about this. We get bad news. And we immediately want that circumstance to change. And somehow at the depth of who we are, we believe. God also wants that to change for me. Because we believe that the gospel somehow is meant to make my life easier and better. Now, I know there's many little wonderings going maybe on in your mind of what I'm trying to say, and I'm just trying to build up towards something because if we, if we first understand that the gospel is not about us, it's not about serving us, it's not about making us happy, or all those things are great, it's about God transforming us into who we were. He made man and woman who? In the image of, of God. And he's bringing us back to that place where we could live life from a different perspective and from a different place, from a brand new image that we used to be. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 or Mark chapter 8. This will not be on the screen. I want to read it to you. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. And it says these words. And when he had called the people to himself, along with his disciples also... He said to them these words, Whoever desires to come after me, pray a prayer. Do your Bible say that? Whoever desires to come after me, let him... Is anybody reading? Mark 8, 34. Let him deny himself and what? Take up his and follow me. I just want to read that one more time. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels, he will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Today's message is extremely important. I tried actually a few times, Thursday and Saturday morning, ...to push it aside and continue with the things that we were doing about encountering Jesus. But I kept on going back to this in my heart and my mind. And there were two words that were very significant... ...that Jesus told those in his day and he's telling us today. And it's these words, follow me. Those are extremely important words for all of us. And this is not about following Jesus to heaven... And this is not following Jesus to become a better Christian. Now, just for a moment, let me just stop there. If you took that off the table, okay? You're going to take off following Jesus there. Hold on, hold on to that. And we're going to take off becoming a better Christian. Put it there. What do you have left? And that's a question that I think we have to really ask ourselves is, where is Jesus leading us? If, it's, if we're just praying a prayer and we're just doing this church thing to get to heaven or to become a better Christian... We're missing something, the essence of what Christ came for. And how many would agree with me that following Christ is not always a love affair? A few more hands, come on, please. Just a little more honest. Okay, that sometimes this relationship that we have with Him is a grind. I I, I don't always feel in love with God. I don't always feel goosebumps and great feelings every single day. It's not even something I long for. It's not even a goal of mine. I think I used to aspire to have that type of life, but I realize that sometimes this life that we're doing, this life that we're called to follow Him is a straight up grind. That you are just simply doing all you can do by the grace and power of God to endure rather than to appear like you're always winning. Because it's those who endure to the end, they are, they're the ones that are going to make the end. There's an endurance process. And how many know you don't need to endure eating a cake? You don't need to endure binge watching. But if somebody took you to the gym and said, we're going to work our tail off for one straight hour, you're going to be praying, I hope I endure to the, to the end. So endurance comes with it, this idea that something is pushing against you. Something is waging at your soul. There's principalities, and there's powers of the air that are saying, oh, you're going to follow Christ? Let's see how long you, yeah, let's see how long you last. Oh, you say you're going to believe God's promise? Let's see how long you're going to believe it for. And that's where Jesus is encouraging us, and that's why Jesus said, hey, I want you guys to know the disciples. It's actually better for me to go away and to be with the Father because then I'm going to send somebody with you. I'm going to send a comforter with you. I'm going to send somebody that is going to help you follow me, to help you to endure to the end. And so following him is more about enduring than it is appearing like you're winning in this life. I want, I want to say this statement because I think sometimes we are so convinced about how the world is and how we are that we forget what I'm about to say is possible Jesus said, in, or, or Paul said in Romans fourteen seventeen. it might be on the screen, I'm not sure, Johnny. Romans 14, 17, he says, In the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's what? Righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. In Luke 12, 32, that's not on the screen, it says that it's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he says, where is the kingdom? The kingdom is in you. So what Jesus is reminding me, and Paul's reminding me there, he's saying, you know, Justin, following him may not be easy. It may be a grind. It, you may not always feel in love with Christ, but there's three promises that you're guaranteed to walk in if you want to every day. Fullness of peace, fullness of joy, and fullness of righteousness. Which means this, that as they follow Jesus along this path, of where he's taking me, and we're going to find out where he's taking us. As I follow Jesus along this path, and I get this bad news, or somebody does this to me, or what I hoped would happen did not work out, Jesus says, even in that place, you can walk in fullness of joy, fullness of peace, and fullness of righteousness. Now, when I say that, at times in some of your minds, and I won't say all, but some of your minds, there's a disconnect of saying, That sounds good, but that's not the way life works. You can't always have peace. You can't always have joy. And you can't always have righteousness. And I personally disagree. I truly believe that there's a place that we can get to where no matter what the circumstances, no matter what we face, no matter what somebody does to us, we always have available available to us the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, and the righteousness that He has gifted to us. So to follow Jesus is not about fitting some mold. Now think about all the years maybe that you've been going to church or that you've been a Christian. It seems like for many, there's a mold that we have a picture of. Maybe it's our pastor. Maybe it's somebody we highly respect. Maybe it's somebody like Billy Graham. Or maybe it's just Jesus himself. And so there's this mold that we're saying, okay, that's what it looks like to be a good what? So I am now aspiring to look like that. And that is function. That's religion. That's what the Pharisees did. They say, okay, here's our mold. You want to be a part of us? Okay, conform to our our mold. And so this life about living for Christ and following him is not about a mold you fit. And it's not about a script that you follow. Sometimes we just want, especially from a pastor, there's a pressure to say, just tell the people what to do, how to do it, when to do it, so they could be good Christians. And then when you know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, you can measure it. And then you can know whether you're a good Christian or whether you need to become a better Christian. Am I right? And so there's this pressure to go, just tell me how to do this thing. No, it's not about function. It's about a relationship with one that longs to reveal who he is to you and for you to realize who you are to him so that you could start to live in the flow of this relationship. And so to follow means this. I just put some four thoughts, and I don't want to make this a list or make this all-encompassing, but here it is. The first one about following Christ is about believing who he was and who he is. If you're going to follow Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, if anybody desires to come after me, hey, you need to believe who I am. That's why he said to his disciples one time, he said, "Who who do you say that I am? Or who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. He said, who do you say that I am? Well, you are Jesus the Christ. You're the one who came to rescue us. He goes, man, man. Did not reveal that to you, but God himself. There's a revelation of, why are you here? Who do you believe Jesus in your life? Do you believe he's Savior? Do you believe he's, he's Lord of your life? When you believe that, that it is the, the process, the starting place of following Christ. The second one is to take on the mind and the heart of Jesus. I'm going to say this statement again in a little bit, but I want to also insert it here. If you did not see it in Jesus, you did not learn it from him. Which means this. You learned it from your mom, from your dad, from your grandma, from your grandpa, from your sister, from your brother, from your teacher, from a music video, from music you listen to, you learned it somewhere else. But if you don't see it in Jesus, you didn't learn it from him. And this is where people say the statement, well, I'm just human. That's just how I am, right? No, if you didn't see it in him, you didn't learn it from him. therefore, we can learn something else, which is to take on the mind in the heart of Jesus. So as I'm following Jesus, because I believe he is the Savior, and I believe He is the Lord and He is the King of all kings. As I'm following Him, I'm going to now take on the mind and the heart of my Savior. Jesus, how do you see people? Jesus, how do you see my enemies? Jesus, how do you see life? And now I begin to take on the mind and the heart. The next one that I see is we obey His instructions. If you've ever given an instruction from God... It comes with, and this is how I know it comes, with a feeling of what? Fear. That God is always asking us to do something that's beyond ourselves, beyond our comfort zone. It's beyond what we feel like we're equipped or qualified for. And so as I'm following Christ, I believe who he is. As I'm following Christ, I'm taking on his mind and his heart. Why? Because I'm relating with him. I'm learning what he's like and who he's like. And now as I follow him, there's going to be certain instructions that he gives me to go and do. And the last one that I put there is to follow him means that I endure. That no matter what it costs me, no matter how hard it may get, no matter how many promises I didn't feel like he came through for me on, I'm still going to endure. Why? Because of number one. I believe that that's Jesus. And I believe that the call that he gives us is to follow us. I came across this hymn. I'm not going to sing it, but I will read it because I felt like, man, this, this writer encapsulated these words amazingly. And it says this. May the mind of Christ, my Savior, live in me day from, from day to day. By his love and power controlling all I do and say. May the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour so that all may see I triumph only through his power. May the peace of God, my Father, rule my life in everything that I may be calm to comfort those who are sick and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea. Him exalting, self-abasing, this is victory. May I run the race before me, strong and brave to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. May his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win. And may they forget the channel, seeing only him. So the question when it comes to following Jesus is where is he leading us? Think about this for a moment. Where is Jesus leading you? And here is an all-encompassing answer, and I believe that when you finally set your stake here, you can follow very freely. Jesus is not leading you to Africa. He's not just leading you to New Day. He's not leading you to another state. He's not leading you all those different places. There will be moments where, by the Spirit, He leads you there, but Jesus, when He said, follow me, is taking us to one place In one place alone. Where? To the Father. He said, There is a relationship that was broken with Father God. And I am here on one mission to fulfill and to finish the work that He gave me to do so that you can have a relationship with Him that is unhindered. There's no obstacles, there's nothing in between. It is absolutely, hear my words because I mean them, it's absolutely perfect. And he's leading all of us to say, I am leading you back to a relationship with the Father so that you can know who he is for you and who you are to him. And this changes everything because now my prayer is not like, God, where do you want me to go? God, where are you sending me? It's Jesus saying, just go to the Father just relate with the Father, get to know Him. This is eternal life that you may know Him, the one true God in Jesus Christ who Him sent. So Jesus is asking us all, and that's why He said, I say unto you, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to heaven, the Father, except through what? Through me. And so when I'm sharing with people, this is not about me evangelizing the world, saying, you know what, it's important for you to go to heaven. No, heaven is a byproduct of having a relationship to one who created heaven. And so now evangelism is not about getting somebody to heaven. It's about leading them back to a place where there's a relationship that has been brought again to a redemptive place between them and the Father. And as I look at the life of Jesus, I notice in John chapter 6, where he's preaching about his flesh, and he's preaching about his blood, and they said, man, these are difficult things to happen. And it says these words in John six sixty six. From that time, many of his disciples, they went back and they walked with him no more. Many of his disciples, those who said, I believe in Jesus, those who were taking on the mind and heart, those who were obeying his instructions, those who said, man, I'm going to endure to them, they actually were walking with him no more. Now, when you see that, I don't want you to think they were saved and they no longer are. I want you to realize, and I hope that I can communicate this well, I want you to realize you can be a believer of Jesus Christ. You can believe that he saved your soul, you can believe that he, he was raised again from the dead, but yet not follow him daily. And that's the, that, that's the, that's the foundation of many of the, the struggles that we're all dealing with is that very premise that we're not following him because of one very simple instruction. And so there's a special promise that he gives to all of those who are following him. A special promise, and here it is. John chapter 8, verse number 12. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not what? I know that may not make a connection with you, but that's a powerful statement that he made. He said, I want you to realize that those who follow me, they will never again walk in a place of darkness. But you now have the light of life. And so here is where I wanted to get to in my message. And this is what I wanted to address specifically today. It's a very subtle thing. It's very sobering. But it's vital that we recognize the importance of it in our life. Look with me one more time to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. You can put that on the screen. There it goes. And when he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them these words Whoever desires, how many desire to follow after God? And some of you maybe don't. And that's okay. I'm not trying to force you into there. But he said, whoever of you desires to follow me, he said, I want to show you something. Because it's impossible to follow him unless this takes place in your life. It's not impossible to believe in him. It's not impossible to go to heaven if you don't do this. It's impossible to follow him unless this is done. And I'm asking you at this point to just listen to my heart when I share what I'm going to share because it may come in the face of some of the things that you personally are dealing with. That you were never made for you. You were never made to live for you. You were never made to go after the things that only you want. You were made to be formed into the image of who you are created to be. And so this gospel is not about you. This gospel is not about patting you on the back and making sure that you feel okay with what you're going through. This gospel is about calling you up into a higher life. It's calling you up into who you are in Christ. It's calling the Christ that lives on the inside of you. It's called the mystery of the hope that we have. It's calling that up on the inside of you so that you can live as an overcomer in this life. An overcomer is not one who has everything okay. An overcomer is one who faces off with the challenges in a way that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you are either following self or you're following Jesus on a daily basis. Okay, let me, let me show you how this happens. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, Apostle Paul says this I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ, Jesus the Lord, I what? I die daily. He said, There's something in me that dies daily. And I'm going to show you what that is. Because as I said before, I believe it's possible to believe in Jesus. It's possible to go to heaven, accept him as Savior, but not follow him daily. This doesn't mean you go into the work and you go, Okay, God, who do you want me to talk to? I'm not talking about that type of following. I'm talking about embracing who you are. Embracing who you are as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Because the source of all pain... All frustration and disappointment is one thing self. Go back to Mark chapter 8, verse 34, if you don't mind, John. It says, Whoever desires to come after me, let him what? There's something in us that was put away when we accepted Christ and we were put into Christ. And it's called self. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, self cannot go with. Are you following me so far? To deny means this. It means refuse to give or to grant something requested or desired to someone. Okay. I think it's on the screen. Can you put that on there? Deny? To refuse to give or to grant something requested or desired to someone. And we are called to what? Deny what? So that means we are to refuse to give or to grant something requested or desired to the one that's asking of it. He said, Whoever desires to follow me, let him deny himself. Yourself, and man, this is where I pray that I'm clear on this so that you can understand it. Yourself is who you used to be. It is your old man. Okay? I'm going to show you two passages. I'm just going to read them. They're not going to be on the screen. It says in Galatians 5.24, And those who are Christ's, how many are Christ's, have, which is past tense, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if you're in Christ. Paul is saying the gospel made those in Christ... What did the gospel also do? It crucified your flesh with its passions and desires. How many still have passions and desires that seem ungodly? Okay. Many of us feel like that's who I still am. So you feel ashamed about them, right? You feel discouraged about them. You apologize to God about them. You feel like, God, I'm so sorry I still want what I used to want. And Paul is saying... Wait, you're Christ. Those things have been crucified. Well, then why do I still feel those things? Why do I still long for those things? Romans chapter 6 says this. Knowing this, that our old man was, not will be, was what? Crucified with him. So our old man was crucified. The same understanding our flesh was also crucified. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, For if any man is in Christ, he is a what? Old things are what. Behold, all things have become. Have all things become new in you? Somebody say yes. Okay, thanks. Let's start it back at the beginning. Okay, so all things have become new. Now the question is, how do you walk in those things? Because when you get saved, he makes you a what? New creation. Who you used to be has been crucified. Your flesh is now, the passions and desires have been crucified. They're now dead. Your old man is now dead and you now risen to a new man. Now he says, follow me in this new man. Follow me from that place of who you are in Christ, not from this place trying to become somebody. This man longs to become somebody. This man says, I'm going to discover now who I am. Now this whole life is about discovering who I am in Christ. And so self says these very words. You can put that on the screen about self. And this is where, this is the whole point of my whole message. I have a right to fill in the blank. Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me, he must what? Deny. Deny means I refuse to give what is requested or desired. Self says this. Whoa, 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 wait. Wait, wait about me. I have a right too. And Paul said, no, 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 you are dead. No, 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 I have passions and desires. Paul said, you are what? You've been crucified, buddy. No, 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 wait, I have a right. This life is about what? Me. Wait, wait, God, you're, you're about me, right? This is about me. This is about the life that I want, and the life that I dream about. And so self says, I have a right too many things. And so to deny is to say, self, you, I'm going to show you something. If you've struggled or struggle with any particular area in your life, and you're like, man, I just can't seem to break out of it. I can't seem to just move on from this certain thing. I'm going to show you how you disconnect the power of it in your life. And so I want to go through a few thoughts, okay? Are you ready? Self says I have a right. Now, when I do this, just put your anger down for a moment and tell yourself, just listen up, okay? Please, I, I, I believe, and I'm not trying to be drama-filled when I say this. I believe this is extremely important because if it goes undetected, self will go, hey, come follow me today. And Jesus will be like, wait, why'd you go that way? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going this way. This is just how I feel today. So self says this, I have a right to complain. Okay, self says that. Your old man who is crucified, the one who is no longer allowed to live, he's dead, says, Justin, I have a right to complain about that. How many have ever complained before? How many ever felt justified when you complained? Guys, I'm trying to break something in your life, and Jesus is doing the same thing in my life, is if self has a right, we are called to what? Deny self. So he says, I want to complain right now. What are we called to do if we're going to follow Christ? Tell him, I'm sorry what you requested and what you desired, you're not going to get. Why? Because I'm following the one that I see. And if I didn't see Jesus complain, then I'm not learning it from him. Are you following me? And when you detect it, how many have ever had a challenge in your marriage? Keep your hand like this. No, 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 no. Well, Sarah and I recently, for a while, I drove away from her house angry and frustrated, okay? Now, the message was not birthed yet, okay? This message was not birthed yet. And as I'm driving with Carly, and she's picking out, she gets to pick out her own songs that she sings on the way to school. I just remember the Lord saying, you're gonna give yourself a right to be mad at her, aren't you? And, and everything in me was like, well, of course let me tell you why. If you were married to her, right? Have we ever done that? Jesus, you weren't married, so you don't understand. He says, no, I am married to all of you guys. But it was at that moment where I either had to deny the right to be angry and deny the right To be frustrated if I was going to follow who? Christ that day. And if I didn't want to follow him, I didn't want to take up that cross, then I could easily choose and say, you know what? Self, let's have a great day today. This is going to be fun. Let's just be mad. And now let's get back at that person. By what? I don't know. Either you're the silent treatment person, or I'm going to smash it in your face, person. So I don't know which one of you are, but you didn't deny something that says, hey, wait, 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 wait. I want to complain about this. Some of you complain about your job. Some of you complain about your spouse. This message has nothing to do with stop complaining. This message has everything to do with deny self. If you're trying to clean yourself up and say, oh, God doesn't want me to complain. You know what? I'm going to go get that jar with 25 cents, and every time I complain, I'm going to put that 25 cents in there. Eventually, you're going to go broke, right? And you're just going to be like, this is stupid practice, you know? And then you tell everybody, oh, that's our savings. You don't even tell people it's the complaining jar. But when you try those man-made methods to fix you, they only last for a short time. But it's by the power of God and by the grace of God that I have every right to look at my, my old man, who I'm not anymore, and say, You have no right to feel that way toward your wife. I have a right, self says, to be bitter toward those who did me wrong. How many have ever been there before? And you could now sit down with somebody, maybe it's a counselor. And tell them why you are justified to be what? To be bitter. Are you seeing how Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, self cannot come with. I will give you by the gospel the power to kill self and crucify him so that you don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to try to pretty your flesh up. Because you can't. You can't reform him. You can't cage him. You can't try to make him look pretty. He has to be what? Crucified. How about this? I do have a list, so please just bear with me for time's sake. I want to get every single person (laughs) in. Everybody's like, I was already guilty at number one. I'm complaining about how long you're going. I have a right... To hold a grudge against them. So we look at somebody. And we get a database. Although love says it keeps no record of. Oh my gosh. Yet. The record about them is very clear in my mind. And so I'm justified. Self says it. You have a right Justin. To hold a grudge against them. Why? Because they did you so wrong. And Jesus said follow me and I'll show you how to love your, I'll show you how to go one extra mile when the boss tells you in a wrong way you should go one extra mile. He said, I'll show you how to break the power of them controlling you so love now controls you. And you'll willingly give the coat off your back to somebody who does that. And when somebody slaps you on the face, guess what you'll do? (laughs) Anybody know that verse? What does it say? Slap them back, right? Just slap them back and apologize and thank God for mercies. Are new every single day. How about this one? I have a right to be worried about the future. <laughs> that was a good sigh. No, but self says this. Self self looks at the future, looks at our present, compares the two, and goes, No, there's every right. I have a right to worry about where I'm going to be, what it's going to look like, how healthy I'm going to be or not healthy I'm going to be. I have a right to put my attention over there. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has troubles of its own or today has troubles of its own. You'll get there eventually. And so Jesus is saying, I want to show you how to break the power of worry. But the power of worry comes from one source. What? I have a right. You have a right to what? To worry about tomorrow. I have a right to sit, to ponder, to stress, and to get overwhelmed about it. I want to show you something, and hopefully it goes back on screen. Ryan, you have the remote, right? I want to show you, this is what deny means. Just think about it for a moment. I have a right to worry about tomorrow. That's what denying means. Do you see that on the screen anymore? No. And. Somehow, some way it gets plugged back in over and over and over again. And guess what? We get tired of denying self. And we eventually just accept I have these rights. I have a right to be mad. I have a right to complain. I have a right to hold a grudge. How about this? I have a right to criticize those I don't I don't agree with. If you didn't see it in who? You didn't learn it from him. I have a right to talk about others who did me wrong. I have a right to now talk about them. They did me wrong. I now have a right to talk about. I'm not, I'm not talking about seeking help and wisdom. I'm talking about spewing what somebody else did to make sure that their reputation is not good in the eyes of the person that we're listening, that's listening to our words. I have a right to withhold, withhold love from anyone that I want because they hurt me. I have a right to tear them down. I have a right to be offended. How many have ever been offended? Some liars in this place. I'm offended right now at you, Justin. This is a stupid message. I agree. I certainly do agree, but I have a right to be offended. And we have every justification because self says, no, 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 you have a right to be offended. And Jesus says, I want to show you how you can look at them and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And self says, they, I can't put that word there, know well what they did. If anyone desires to come after me, let him what? I want I'm just trying, I'm going through this list, not to give you a list, I'm going through this list so you can identify where self comes up and goes, hey, 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 what about me? What about me, please? I have rights too. How about this one? I have a right to feel unworthy in God's presence. Many of you struggle to come in God's presence and lift your hands, why? Because you feel what? Unworthy. And Jesus is saying, you have nothing to feel unworthy about, Why? Your sins have been what? Your past is forgotten. Now come into my presence boldly. Yeah, but Jesus, you don't know what I've done. Oh, no, no, I know exactly what you've done. Come into my presence boldly to receive what? Grace. Some of us go, I don't have a right to raise my hands. Why? Because I did this or I did this. We don't have a right to feel unworthy. Why? Because what Jesus did for us secured our worthiness on that cross. How about this? I have a right to be a what? Ashamed. How many have ever sinned before? I just want to see if I can get every hand up. I'm just trying to... Uh, in this Pentecostal church. Once I get Tony's hands up, I know we won. There it is. So, I have a right to be ashamed when I sin. How many have ever crossed the line and felt shame? Shame. I am telling you this is the power of overcoming sin right here is you don't have a right to feel ashamed because everything in you at that moment goes I deserve right now to feel ashamed, to feel guilty, and to feel condemned. And Jesus is saying, who's condemning you? I'm not. God's saying, I'm for you, not against you. I'm not the one condemning you. Jesus died for your sins. I've forgiven you. My mercies are available to you. So you feel like you have a right to feel ashamed? No, you have a right now to come to God's presence and say, Father, I receive your mercy because I desperately need it. And I receive the gift of righteousness. And I receive the abundance of grace. And I thank you that I can always come to you and receive what I need from you. That's what I have a right to. That's how Jesus is showing us how to walk rather than, oh, man, I'm just so ashamed of what I did. And we take on that shame because we believe that's what we deserve. And self is at the center of it all. How about this? I know you guys are so ready for this list to be done, but let's keep on going. How about this? I have a right to tell God I can't. I know it's so subtle, guys, and there's a relationship aspect where he realizes where we're at. So you can be open with him. You can say these phrases, but at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, follow me. And self is saying, Lord, I can't do that. Lord, I I just, I can't take it anymore. Lord, I just can't, I can't go the extra mile like you say to go. Lord, I just can't turn my cheek when you say that we can turn each other's cheek. Lord, I just, I can't believe anymore, Lord. And self was at the center of it going, I have a right. ...to tell him that I can't. Rather than to say... ...like Jesus, Father, I need your grace today. I need your grace to believe at this moment... ...because right now I just feel like I'm so weak... ...and I thank you that your strength... ...is manifested in my weakness... ...now I start to actually tap into who he is. I was talking with... Uh, ...I won't say his name actually. I have a right to be a victim... I had a very open conversation with this gentleman and I was just at the end of our conversation and I said, you may hate me for saying this and I I hope you know I'm saying it with love and care. I said, you sound like a victim. Been there, done that, right? We all got the t-shirts. That we just start to now talk to other people about they did this and this happened to me and this has never happened to me and I don't know when God's gonna come through and man, I just don't know why it never turns out right for me and I'm just waiting for this breakthrough and what happens is we have taken on the right, Lord, I'm a victim of what? Of life. He says, but I call you an overcomer. Yeah, 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 that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I am right now a victim. I'm more than a victim. And I want you to realize that the only way to break that... Self, you have no right. I remember in 2016, I came out of a crazy ministry experience... And I remember those words where the Lord says, I am never a victim, but I always overcome. That literally right there set me free internally, but it didn't change my emotional state. I still felt the emotions of being victimized. I felt the the emotions of being uh, 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 rejected and not not, not told a truth to and lied about. And I felt all those things. But he says, if you want to break the power of it, Deny yourself in that area, Justin. Don't go down that path where self is going, hey, follow me real quick. I want to show you something. And the longer you follow, the more you go. Every, it's me against the world. It's me against, them no, man, they're going to do me wrong and they do me wrong. And so what do we do? We start to build up and that's why the Bible says we are to what? Pull down strongholds. Every single thing I shared with you on that list becomes a stronghold self is going come here come here I'm going to imprison you this is going to be really really fun like you're going to be forever uh, stuck with this is how you're going to be you're going to be a very bitter person but it's so justified and it feels so good to feel like I'm bitter toward them because if I'm not bitter then that means I release them and there's no way I'm releasing them. And so self brings you to a place where there's strongholds in our life. And I want you to realize that you cannot come up to here to receive prayer to deliver from a stronghold. You have to what? Pull it. And how do you pull it down? Deny self. And when self is denied from saying you have a right to be bitter, you start to walk free from it. And Jesus goes, Come here, I'm going to show you about forgiveness. It's a powerful thing, I'm going to show you about becoming love and he now takes us on a journey of becoming love, of showing us the Father, and who the Father is, and now we start to set free from complaining, we start to be set free from bitterness, and we start to set free from the hurts and the offenses that we carry from the people that did us wrong, and we start to go, you know what? I'm not a victim. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm a victor in Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer, and I'm I'm what God says that I am, and you start to discover man, there's power in the gospel. Power to transform me, so God was, I was not now looking to God to go hey you need to deal with them no no God thank you for transforming me and setting me free so that I can be free from the bitterness that I was facing off with so here's my question to you today what right are you holding on to where is self peeking its ugly head and going follow me and we follow him throughout that day and he leads us to what Ultimately, he's leading us to a stronghold in our life. He wants us to be bound by something. And I want to read these words that I wrote here. If you don't tear up your permission slip to the rights of self, you will become very religious. You will embrace function. Can you imagine? Think about this. Please hear my heart again. Oh, Jesus, I, 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 I receive you as Savior and Lord, and yet we're dealing with all this anger. Oh, Jesus, I, I receive you as da-da-da, and then we're dealing with this. this. Isn't, there a, isn't it supposed to be dealt with? Why? Because if we don't give up the permission slip, you don't have a right, and I know this is specific, but maybe it's prophetic. You don't have the right to be angry with the waitress. No, please hear me. You don't have any right to berate somebody, to hurt somebody, to demean somebody, to speak un- un- unkind words to somebody. You have no right. And the moment we have that right because they were no good at serving me my food or they took too long to bring me my food, we now what? Self goes, oh, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. I got, I got this. Oh, I, I'll take care of this one. All right, their tip is going where? Down. And God whispers and goes, do you want me to treat you like that too? Based upon your performance, we are called to deny what? Self. It's, It's putting away the permission slip. You'll, once you get rid of that permission slip, you can now receive freely from your father. So when somebody does you wrong, Does it hurt? Yes. Does it come with a whole bunch of emotions? Yes. Are those bad? No. That is part of who you are. But it's at that moment, what right are you going to give yourself? To receive love or to follow self? We both have all of those things. When you receive bad news from a doctor, from a bank, from a business situation, or from a spouse. You have a right to either receive his peace that passes all understanding, or you have the right to now take that bad news and be crippled by it. Are you following me? At every single moment, self is there to go, I know I'm dead, but I want to live so bad inside of your life. And so this is no longer about becoming a good Christian and doing good Christian things. It's about saying, self, I break the power of what you want in my life. I deny. So this is not about, hey, don't eat that cookie again. Don't eat that brownie when nobody's looking. That's not what denying self is about, okay? That that is not Jesus. He's not on this some discipline kick like, hey, guys, now deny yourself. Say no to that cookie. No, that's not that. He's saying there's a... One named self that wants to live his life. That is the old man. But we must ask the question at times, why is it showing up in our new man? You have to settle in your heart by denying yourself. I have no permission or I have no right to be those things. They're self-centered, they're traps. And we get alone with God and this is what I had to do on that drive that he had me with. I got alone with God and said, okay God, what rights have I accepted in my life? And Jesus was our ultimate example where he said, or where he actually showed us, he goes in Philippians chapter two, he came to earth as a man. He humbled himself. He gave up what? The rights to divinity. To become what? A man. So he knows exactly what this is like to give up what he had the privilege of being a part of. To live life and to live it perfectly for us. So I pray that there's not one ounce of condemnation, but that there's every ounce of recognition, that self is somewhere lurking. He's raising his hand and he's saying, I want to show you why we're justified to let me lead you today. I will lead you to pain. I will lead you to frustration. I will lead you to hopelessness. I will lead you to disappointment and despair. Just follow me and I will take you there. And they will build up strongholds in your life, which will be extremely hard to break out of. And then you see individuals who age in their life, do they become less bitter if they're bitter people? No, they become more bitter. Their filters start to lose, and they start to become the very thing expressive of the strongholds that they're facing. How do you pull down a stronghold? Deny and follow after Christ. When it comes up in your life, Recognize it. You'll see it. You start to complain to somebody about somebody else and what they did. You complain about your boss. It's not about, hey, guys, be more thankful, okay, about your jobs. And be more... That's not what life is about. I'm not trying to get you to do something. I'm trying to get you to realize that self wants you to follow it. And that's not who you are. And he says, I have a right. And just simply say, denied. I'm following Christ. Father, we bless your name today. I just pray somehow you're able to translate my words into the language of your sons and daughters today. Lord, we want to follow you. You gave us a very, very simple instruction to deny self. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you just begin to minister to us and show us where self has risen and where he has taken a right that is contrary to who you are. Jesus, we want to learn from you. We want to grow in who you are in us and who we are in you. And so I pray right now, Father God, that you minister to your people the very things that they're holding dearly on to as their rights, that are creating strongholds in their life. And I break the power of it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me? You know, me and Sarah had a conversation right before service today. And, uh... It was just about a particular direction, but she had just mentioned that, you know, Justin, you don't teach on giving a lot. I'm not fearful to do so. I think giving is an extremely important part of all of our lives. But what I set my heart out to at the beginning of starting New Day was that I truly believed, and I still stand to this day believing that this is true. Although sometimes what I, I, I feel like is we, we pendulum shift so much in our lives from one experience to another experience. And I just want to encourage you when it comes with your money that whatever it is that you ever sow into the kingdom, that you give into the kingdom, will have an eternal impact. Like there's no denying that if you take your family to Disney and you give to the kingdom, one is going to have an ultimate eternal impact because somehow, way, God will use resources to impact his people and to advance his kingdom and so I want to encourage you when it comes to giving stay connected to him stay listening to him as a son and daughter purpose in your heart man how do I advance the kingdom maybe that's to do day maybe it's not maybe it's through another organization that's no issue between you and I but I don't want you to ever uh, as a son and daughter not represent that side of him inside your life let things go The Bible already says money has wings, and so what happens is if you don't let it go, it's flying somewhere else. And it's going to go somewhere that may not have a kingdom impact. And so that's why Paul says, Purpose in your heart. What are you purposing in your heart to give? It's not about asking God how much you want me to give. It's about, as a son and a daughter of God, what is my purpose? What is my impact that I want to make with the money that I bring in that the Lord has blessed me with? How can I help advance the kingdom? And there may be a time where I'll teach specifically on what giving looks like, um, but I do want to just stay committed to knowing that you guys have a relationship with God yourself. I don't want to begrudge you. I don't want to guide you. I don't want to tell you what to do, um, but I know there's a Bible, and I know there's a Holy Spirit, and I know that you guys have hearts after Him. So seek Him when it comes to that area and just do it. Be free in what you do. So I bless you guys today. Thank you for being a part of New Day. Thank you for listening to the Word of God. Um, I hope my heart came came across that I wasn't trying to tell you not to feel something or be a certain way. I was just telling you, self is deceiving. And he's hard to detect. But he's not who you are. You are a new creature in Christ. Your spirit is brand new. You have the heart and the desires of God. Those are not your desires. Those are self. Those are your old man desires. Just deny him, amen. We're gonna sing one more.